When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome Helen Graves to the podcast today. Helen is a food writer and editor with a particular interest in cooking over live fire. She's a co-founder and editor of Pit Magazine, and she's also a brilliant recipe writer. Her first cookery book, Live Fire, was published last year, and we have many of her great recipes on olivemagazine.com. Welcome, Helen. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> um, I think you're more than qualified to give us some pointers to being a brilliant barbecuer. But first, can I ask you, like, how did your love affair with Live Fire start? Um, obviously, I'm just, you know, very greedy. So I love all food. But I think what attracted me to it was, I think barbecuing adds like an extra dimension to food that you can't sort of get from cooking indoors. So you can sort of like char things and burn things, but you don't get like the same sort of bitterness, the same smoky flavours that you get mm. when you cook on a barbecue. Yeah. So I think like smoke is almost like to me sort of like a seasoning really. Yeah. You know, it's like a sort of... A lot of times we talk about like the fifth taste being umami and stuff like that. And I almost think of smoke as like another taste in a yeah. way. Like you don't really get smoky flavours when you're cooking indoors. True. And I think that just made me sort of really interested. And obviously it's a really fun way to cook as well. You know, kind of standing outside, got all your mates around and everything. But, you know, I, and now I'm like, I'm so into it that I do I do cook outdoors all year round. Yeah. Unless it's like, you know, absolutely <laughs> chucking it down. I, like, I draw the line. You've got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, let's get started with some basics because um, setting up correctly is really important, isn't it? Tell yeah. us about setting up the, the barbecue. So when you set up your barbecue, like, you know, back in the day, I would always just chuck some coals in there and just, you know, light it and kind of hope for the best. But what I would always do now is set up a barbecue for what we call two-zone cooking, okay. which basically just means put your, put your charcoal on one side of the barbecue. I mean, there are other ways of doing it. Like, you can put um, you can put the coals in the middle and then have a, a ring with no coals around the outside. But what I would tend to do is, like, split it in half so you've got, like, two semicircles and then have the coals on one side. And then what that gives you is just, like, a, a really, really hot zone and yeah. then a much cooler zone. So... Yeah. It's really, really useful if you want to, for example, sear something 
and then move it over to the cooler side of the barbecue just to kind of finish cooking it through. So like, you know, the cliche about having sausages that are like burnt on the outside, yeah. not cooked in the middle. It because would... it's all over the hot, the hot and you're not giving it any kind of, yeah. Exactly. So you avoid that situation. Or it's really, really super useful if like you've got... Um, something really fatty. So, for example, maybe like lamb chops or something like that. Yeah. Often, as soon as that fat starts to melt, it drips down onto the coals and then it causes a flare-up. And if you get lots and lots of fat on the bottom of the barbecue, it will just keep burning down there. You just have loads of flames going everywhere. It's like, ah, oh, panic station. So what you could do in that situation is just move the chops over to the cooler side yeah. where there are no coals underneath and then it's kind of the problem solved. Yeah. Um, the other thing that it allows you to do is use your barbecue a bit more like an oven. Okay. So say, for example, you had something larger, like um, a whole, maybe like a whole pumpkin, which is something I like to do sometimes or um, a larger piece of meat, or just something that takes a long time to cook. Yeah. You can put that on the cooler side, put something underneath it um, next to the coals to act as a drip tray. So that could be like a little oven dish or just something heat proof. And then that will catch any drippings. And then you can close the lid and the air will just circulate around oh, inside okay. the barbecue. So it's basically an outdoor oven at that yeah. point. Um, so it just gives you like loads more options. You know, you don't have to just fling everything on and then just try and manage the situation. Like it allows you to be in control of the situation. Yeah. I think that's probably why we possibly fall down in this country is everyone <laughs> is capable of <laughs> grilling a sausage. <laughs> and they've probably got these amazing kettle barbecues that cost quite a lot of money, but hardly ever you know, utilise that lid to make it into the, the oven, like you well, said. Well, exactly. And a kettle barbecue, to be honest with you, I mean, I've got five barbecues, but to, <laughs> I know, right. it is a problem. But um, the kettle barbecue is the one that I use the most because yeah. it's just the most versatile. You could just close the lid and, you know, like you say, it just becomes this little sort of dome. I mean, you can get all sorts of barbecues now. You can get big ceramic egg ones. You can get little sort of more Turkish-style grills, which are yeah. sort of long and sort of um, rectangular. Um, you get jerk drums or whatever, but I just think that, you know, I just test all my recipes for my books on a standard kettle barbecue because barbecue. that's what most people have, right? Yeah, true. And would that be, with the, using it as the oven, would that be what you'd employ if you were doing a slower barbecue cook? Yes, yeah. exactly. So anything that you would cook slowly in an oven, you can cook slowly in a barbecue, uh, within reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the pumpkin that I mentioned before is something that I do around sort of Halloween time. Yeah. Uh, there's a recipe in my book, Live Fire, where I did um, like a whole pumpkin. I hollowed it out and I stuffed it with um, <laughs> like a beer and cheese fondue. Oh, man, that sounds amazing. Yeah, then you get like lumps of bread and just, you know, on skewers and then just dip it in there. And Gorgeous. that is really good. So something like that, yeah. that's really, really good. Cool. I yeah. love that. Um, let's talk a little bit about charcoal because yeah. I know it's important um, in terms of how long the barbecue lasts and what you do with it, but also it's important to spend a bit extra and get good stuff, isn't it? It is really, really important because it's actually something that we've not had or has not been particularly widely available until recently in the UK. Um, so, you know, the stuff that you see on the garage forecourt is not going to be great quality charcoal. And the reason for that is um, it's often made, you know, with illegally felled rainforest wood and then it's shipped over here. And then yeah. in order to get it over to, to the UK or wherever it's going, they pump it full of chemicals so that it doesn't burst into flames on the boat or whatever wow. it's on. Um, so then when you get when it gets here, those chemicals then need to be burnt off. Yeah. So that's why, you know, often you'd see recipes saying, 
wait until the coals are covered in a layer of grey ash. Yeah. And that's because you absolutely just couldn't use it before that point because your food would just taste of those chemicals. Yeah. Um, I've written that myself in recipes, you know, like 10 years ago, whatever. But just I know, before I, we knew it's better. A, it's, a, it's even in my head of like, wait, yeah. till, it, wait till the flames die down, yeah. X, Y, Z. And it, I think it's that problem, isn't it? Of we... We, we get a piece of information in our head and think that's just gospel and we just keep repeating it because that's what we've yeah. always been told. Yeah. I mean, in a way you do, like you should still wait for the flames to die down. Die down. Um, because really what you want to be cooking over is embers. You know, if you have flames yeah. coming up and sort of licking the food, then you are just going to burn So flames it. die down, but glowing is fine as long as your charcoal's It's good, good quality. And you'll find that it lights a lot, lot faster. And what it will allow, good quality charcoal that is, yeah. and what it will allow you to do is... Um, if you're cooking something like the pumpkin, for example, you'll be able to just um, top those coals up and just leave the food in there. Yeah. So it's not going to taint your food. Um, and there are some really, really good quality suppliers out there now. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I'm not really an expert in this, but I know that it, it's actually part of the sort of maintenance of the woodland. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's not, it's not just, you know, for the, for the love of your barbecue. It's for, um, you know, ecological reasons and sustainability exactly. reasons as well. Exactly. You know? And, you know, support these small businesses yeah. and they're, they're doing really good things. And like you said, you get a lot longer heating time off this. So even though you spend a bit more money, you'll have more cooking time. Well, it it does. It can burn a bit faster, actually. Okay, oh, okay. right. <laughs> yeah. I've scrapped that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the reason is that it just burns more cleanly. Yeah. Um, if you want a longer burn, yeah. you want a briquette, but oh, not many places are doing them. But now oh, the good quality places are starting to, to do, do briquettes. the briquettes. It's briquettes for the longer burning. Yeah, like yeah. if you wanted to do something, you're, you'd be all right with a pumpkin. But if you wanted to do something like um, a shoulder of pork, yeah. something that takes like seven hours plus to cook, you're going to go through a lot of charcoal doing that. So in that case, I would get a good quality briquette. Briquettes. They are out there, but you'll need to search yeah. online. Yeah. And then you're just adding the briquettes on yeah. as, as long as you need to to keep the temperature up that's right yeah. there, there is something called the the snake method okay <laughs> where you um you sort of line up your briquettes like a snake oh. so think of them as a, a bit like dominoes but laying flat yeah if that makes sense and you um you light one end and then that oh, that so one it's gradually the next lighten one, so the it's, next one so it is like a little domino yeah effect. there's like loads that. of videos online if you want to try okay. it and um to be honest, I don't do it very often, but it's, you know, it's another thing you could yeah. do. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. But you were going to talk to us about, um, you know, if you if you do have um, coal still burning, you can utilise them to make a nice dessert. Yes. Yeah. So that's something I like to do is if I've served the main course and I've got some heat left in yeah. there but it's not really enough to kind of cook anything on on top it's not yeah. enough to grill anything what i'll often do and i really like to do this with stone fruits is i'll get like peaches or something like that or maybe like cherries or plums and i'll put them in a roasting tray just like an old battered metal one that i have yeah. um cut them in half um and for peaches i put something like sweet white wine just a splash of that maybe some spices like vanilla or cinnamon or whatever you're into um, and then just stick that 
in the barbecue yeah. on top of the grill, close the lid, and just let it sort of like just let them soften in there, and yeah. then they sort of cook down and go really squishy, really delicious. And um, by the time you've, you're ready for them, yeah. they're just instant dessert. They're just I love they're it. right there waiting for you, <laughs> and it, you know, a scoop of like ice cream or clotted cream. Yeah. Gorgeous. Lush, yeah. And talking about like stone fruits, and you mentioned pumpkins. Um, seasonality is something we don't always take into account with barbecue because we're mm. kind of just thinking, like you said, sausages, meat. Yeah. But it's it's important, isn't it? And it's a good way to think about what you're doing. Yeah, because I mean, to me, like barbecue is is just cooking, you know, and that is obviously how how it is for a lot of people around the world. And I just I do barbecue. Throughout the year, yeah. as I said, I do draw the line if it's like snowing or raining. <laughs> just. <laughs> yeah, just about. But um, I, I feel like there are lots of ingredients that I would miss out on if, yeah. if I didn't barbecue the whole year yeah. round. So, you know, why not use these pumpkins or like what I do with um, beetroots, for example, or root vegetables as I like to wrap them up in foil and then yeah. put them directly on the embers. Um, and just give them a few turns and over an hour or so, they like, they really sort of roast and intensify in there. Um, and that they are absolutely delicious. Because a lot of those roots, like carrots and stuff, mm. they've got the natural sugars in them, so that sort of intensifies yeah. that, doesn't it? Caramelizes and just becomes lovely. I actually love to do carrots yeah. on the barbecue. Um, I usually serve them on top of yogurt, maybe oh, with some spice so butter good. on there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Love it. And I wanted to talk about making the most of veg because I know that you're a huge fan of, of veg cooking on a barbecue. I am. Yeah. Um, I saw a reel on your Instagram a couple of days ago, which you've just been telling me was your first ever voiceover. It's, <laughs> yeah. But the recipe, oh my God, was uh, charred broccoli, lettuce and sugar snaps with baked feta. And that just looked epic. Yeah. So that's got that's a few of my favourite veg actually yeah. to do on the barbecue. So with the sugar snap peas... You, as you saw on the reel, um, I skewer them yeah. so that they're all, you know, like a, like, a, a like a pea kebab. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that obviously stops them falling through the grill. Um, otherwise, you know, you're just going to have a load of peas in the bottom. Um, charred lettuce is absolutely great if you haven't tried it already. And um, tender stem broccoli is one of my all-time okay. top veg anyway. Yeah. But when you put it on the on the barbecue, it's got almost like a like a two zones to it so the the frilly ends become all lovely and bitter and charred but then the the stalks are really sweet and tender and they sort of wrinkle up a bit like you know that dish of dry fried green beans that citron dish it's a bit like that where they go wrinkly and sort of intensify um so you've got like the best of both worlds and they really really take a dressing very well as well um and the feta, yeah, just wrap it in a parcel, put it on the cooler side of the of your two zone setup, <laughs> and um, it just becomes really squishy. Yeah, and it's a it's a really interesting way of eating feta. Actually, yeah, I'm obsessed with baked feta, and it's such a like show offy thing to do when you know totally. it didn't take you any effort at <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah. How did you do this? Oh, it's well, really hard. Couldn't possibly um, say. <laughs> I also have to give a shout out to a recipe you've got on olivemagazine.com, which was a mushroom shawarma. Oh, do you yeah. remember that one? I do. That's from Live Fire, was it? Oh no. It's a different iteration, yeah, actually. I made, I made it for friends um, who are veggie, and it's a bit like you were saying. It's it's big, flat mushrooms yes. that are on two or three skewers. You'd kind of skewer them as if you were doing a 
like an elephant's foot. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly you know, like it. one on top of each other and then it's marinated and then it's barbecued and then you kind of slice it like a shawarma. I mean, it's so good. Yeah. It's if brilliant. you've got to sort of marinate it in those spices to it, because you know mushrooms, they yeah, can take a lot of spice. Yeah. Um, but the reason for the three skewers as well is because, you know, when you skewer something yeah. and then it, you pick it up and it just flips around. Yeah. I, that is just so annoying to me. So if you use two or three skewers... That won't happen yeah, to your skewers, food. Skewers are your friend if you use them properly. But you do need to kind of, yeah, well, like you said, use a few. You do. And also invest in some metal skewers. Like they're, they're super cheap. So um, yeah. and those those wooden ones are just useless, in yeah. my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just burn. They, they just burn, yeah. even if you soak them. But you can actually get some quite scary looking, but very useful, um, really huge, quite thick uh, skewers different types on you know online can't you quite easily so yeah uh, places like if you live near a, a turkish shop exactly they'll the definitely have some are yeah great for putting um what you call them chic chic kebabs uh yeah or you can do like adana kebabs yeah. um or if you live near an indian grocer like they might have some so it's always i'm always keeping an eye out for that kind of thing yeah i love it <laughs> um I know like in in pit magazine you write a lot about other cultures and you're you're interested in how people cook mm. in, in other parts of the world. Tell us about some other kind of, you know, cooking over a barbecue. That's just a general part of, of, you know, that it's not, they wouldn't call it barbecue. That's just how they cook. Yeah, that's exactly it, really. I think that's what sort of interested me is when I was writing Life Fire, I, was, I wanted to include all the people that have influenced my cooking, but yeah. I didn't want to sort of cherry pick from their cultures to be really blunt about it so I, I wanted them to tell me their stories in their own words so what I did was I did interviews with a lot of people in a lot in southeast London where I live who have had a big influence on my cooking so like um you know my local sort of jerk place um with Ben and Jennifer Hawes like I've known them for years and yeah. their food is fantastic um and the Suya place that I absolutely love in Peckham you know just I wanted to so sort C, of see as West African, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so it's mostly in Nigeria, uh, people from a, a ha the Hausa tribe cook yeah. it. Um, so I, I really wanted to include those sort of techniques because I find it really interesting how in the UK, you know, we mostly do grilling, so we cook kind of hot and fast. But yeah. people around the world, they use such different techniques. Like, so for example, going back to jerk. Um, jerk chicken is often cooked for quite a long time oh, okay. and the smoke is like an absolutely essential seasoning so it's when, when we cook something when we grill it a piece of chicken for example yeah. we might just do it quite quickly and we'll be like okay it's cooked but on a jerk drum jerk chicken would be quite, okay it's cooked but then it goes up to sort of the second tier yeah. of the drum and it rests there for a really really long time like taking on the smoke and it will become Really, really, really soft. Yeah. The, you know, the meat is almost like falling off the bone and then it's like actually cut through the bone to serve. Um, and also in Thailand, they do a lot of slow grilled chicken. Um, and the idea is to sort of like bring out different qualities of the meat to okay. what we're used to. Yeah. Like they're more sort of gelatinous qualities and they do it in, in Europe with fish. Um, they grill them sort of very, very slowly and it brings out the gelatinous ah, qualities from the bones. Because you're breaking it down, you're breaking down the sort of connective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, it's very, very different to how we think about barbecue yeah. here and I just, I find that really, really interesting. There's, there's, you know, as ever, not just one way of doing things. Yeah, I love that. Um, I know as well that you're a fan of using really big flavours. I mean, you've yeah. got plenty of recipes on our on our website, olivemagazine.com, which are beautiful and really showcase that. Tell us about Thank you. what your favourites are or, you know, what, 
what your influences are with that. Yeah, I don't really do. I don't really do timid <laughs> cooking. I just don't. I think that's why I like barbecue so much. That's a good way of putting it. I don't do polite because, <clears throat> excuse me, I just feel like, you know, if you're going to put it in that, I want to taste it. And that that's a part of the reason I do love barbecue is because it's it lends itself well to really big flavours. Yeah. Like a lot of um, spices. You know, I like to use a lot of um, kind of lemon, citrus, and often I'll, you know, I'll marinate things, but then I'll put maybe spices on at the end of cooking as well. Yeah. So maybe I'll toast them and I'll crush them lightly and then I'll sort of sprinkle them on top as a, a garnish or I'll use spices in the salad dressing, like yeah. coriander seeds, for example, like I did on the real you watched yeah. the other day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's one of my current favourites, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like big and bold flavours. And also when you've got food that's, um, you know, charred or smoked, yeah. it does want that. It needs... It needs a, a big, bolshy kind of marinade or, or a dressing to push through. Yeah. And like you said, you know, it, other cultures that do use barbecue cooking quite heavily or, or grilling quite heavily do tend to have those big flavours as well. You know, they're kind of adding stuff because it can stand up to it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, let's just talk a little bit about equipment. Like we, we talked earlier on a little bit about setting up the barbecue, but what else do I need? Do I need a really fancy bunch of big tools and no <laughs> and <laughs> those, gloves, seen those gloves which look like chain mail that you <laughs> well do you know what the gloves can be handy yeah uh, yeah sorry <laughs> Ter- terrible pun there i like and the gloves actually because in terms of wrestling a barbecue if you're trying to move something or if you're trying to like yeah. put extra yeah yeah that, i guess those could be quite i useful. mean often i'll use like a cast iron skillet if i'm doing a cornbread or something like that oh, okay um and in that case the gloves are handy yeah because you know the the heat inside a barbecue yeah, it gets much hotter yeah. than, than a regular oven or it can do at least so your regular oven gloves they might not really cut it so that's one thing actually that can be useful if you're going to get into barbecue yeah um but if you're just kind of starting out i would say just get a kettle barbecue yeah if you can get afford it we've got space to get one get a large one it's just you know get more stuff on it (laughs) state the obvious (laughs) um get a pair of tongs with a long handle so because obviously near the barbecue it's hot um and you know it's just it's, it's just more, easier. It's yeah. easier. It's yeah. a more pleasant experience. Don't just go in there with a little fork and burn all of your far, you far will, hairs You'll off. be surprised like how <laughs> you know how far away you, you really want to be. Yeah. Um, and a chimney starter is really, really helpful. So that's just basically a cylindrical, yeah. looks like a giant mug like made out of metal. Yeah. I've got a confession to make. I've got a chimney starter and I, I can't make it work. At least oh, no. we have to use it. <laughs> okay. It's, this is pu- This is just for me. <laughs> no, no worries. So what you can do is get some scrunched up paper. This is the easiest way. Yeah. Scrunched up paper. Just put it in the bottom, a yeah. few pieces, and then fill, top it up with charcoals. And then get your grill ready, obviously just unlit, and then put, put a fire lighter on it, light the fire lighter, and put the chimney on top. So you're lighting that paper underneath. Yeah. And that's going to light your, your coals. It'll take about 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. And what it, what's the indication that it's got all the way up to the top of the coals? Just that they... What, that they're lit. That they're lit. <laughs> Sorry. See, this is why. This is why you just... <laughs> no, I think the last time I did it, I was waiting for something. And I think 
they just kind of went out or I didn't light it properly or I did look I'm just showing you I completely no, do see here not at all that can, that I mean that happens to me as well it, yeah. sometimes that just happens yeah. so don't beat yourself up about it <laughs> yeah. like, do you know what that's quite a good point about barbecue in general is I think there's sort of a bit of a culture around it of you know this is the way it should be done yeah. this is like a movement and you know I'm, I'm glad that it is becoming more popular Opening up. yeah I yeah because you said it, it can be a bit macho con it can be a bit shouty and blokey on i mean i yeah i even follow some of them because they seem to have quite good recipes but sure but there are some people who i just think oh come on yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly and i have been known to call it brobecue um and i i just i do find that whole macho culture a little bit annoying but like you say you know some some of them do have nice recipes, and I do follow some people like that as well. Yeah. Um, but I just think what it does is it sort of it makes a sort of aura around barbecue that just doesn't really need to be there. Like it's unapproachable. Unapproachable, yeah. and it really is just cooking outside. You're just using a different piece of equipment, and uh, you know the other thing I think to say is that when you know how to control your barbecue, yeah, that helps a lot because I think people can be a bit scared. So. Your barbecue unit has vents at the top and it has vents at the bottom. And if those vents are closed and, and your lid is shut, your barbecue will go out. Okay. So basically, you know, your fire needs oxygen. If it doesn't have any, if you're ever worried at any point that your barbecue is getting out of control, just close the lid and close the vents and you turned it off, essentially. Um, so, yeah. really, that is really good advice, actually. Yeah, because it can be intimidating. Again, it is a fire. I, I didn't know what those vents were for. No, I kind of did know what they were for, but I was like, oh, yeah, I know this will let some oxygen in, so maybe it's... But then I'm like, but do I need to open them and then close them? You know. Yeah, so if the, basically if the vents are fully open, you've got yeah. full airflow, it's going to be as hot as the barbecue hot as can you, go. Yeah, so just use it as a control thing. Yeah, if you want to cook something slowly then you put the lid down and just close the vents maybe halfway and it's just a gentler cook. Just keeps you thinking. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, But I think that's a great point to end on is just go out there and do it. Follow follow Helen. Follow some friends of Helen because she's always bigging up other people on her feed as well. Um, Where can people keep up with what you're you're doing? Instagram's great, isn't it? Instagram I am fully into. There's videos on there. There's recipes. (laughs) There's videos. There's recipes. Um, I'm at Food Stories, um, which I am on on all social media. I'm at Food Stories. So, yeah, find me there. I'm I'm most active on Instagram, but I am on Twitter and now Threads. Threads, okay. We're all still working that one Um, Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for coming to chat to us today, Helen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.